We thankful for this beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity to be with our fellow church members this afternoon at our camp out at Bogard Park. We thank you for the quietness of that place. My wife and I and Dick and Joni Pierce spent the night there last night. And we thank you for the quietness and the peace and the beauty. We thank you for being with us today as we gather there. That we might fellowship together, get better acquainted with our fellow church members, and praise your name. We know that there are many things that are going on in this world right now that we don't understand. We know that time is getting very short, that Jesus is getting ready to come back to this earth. We pray that we will be ready to meet him when he comes. We know that there's still a lot to do. There are many people that need to be reached. We thank you for the ministries that are reaching out, and we pray that we will, in our humble way, help support those ministries as they reach out. We thank you now for the opportunity to worship here today, and we pray your blessing upon our speaker as he brings to us the bread of life. May your Holy Spirit accompany his words, and may our hearts be open and receptive so that we might get a new vision of what it is to be your children. For all these things, Father, we give you praise and glory. In the name of the Holy Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Greetings to you in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank Danny and Martha for bringing our special music today. We are grateful. A number of years ago, matter of fact, many years ago, a very expensive European automobile was shipped to this country. It mirrored excellent workmanship. It was a beauty to behold. Its carpets were plush and deep. Indeed, it was a most remarkable European automobile. Well, one curious observer lifted the hood of that expensive European automobile, and what he saw or didn't see shocked him. There was no engine. There was no engine, and thus no power. 
I believe this humorous incident brings to mind why so many find their spiritual life empty, unfulfilled, no power, no transforming power in their lives. Now the remedy for a lack of power is found in Holy Scripture. So I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Chapter 1 and verse 8. The book of Acts. Chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus is doing the speaking. And Jesus says to his followers, to his disciples, But you will receive power. Now, this is not just any ordinary power that Jesus is talking about. In the original language, the word is dunamis, from which we derive our English word dynamite. So when Jesus says that you will receive power, this is not just ordinary power, but celestial, heavenly power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, now, I want to pause right there in our verse and ask a question. When believers accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, do they not receive the Holy Spirit? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So why did Jesus say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? Jesus is referring here to Pentecostal power. That is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in all his fullness. The Holy Spirit had never been pulled out, poured out in his fullness before. So this was to be a very unique situation here. Dynamite power in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And notice why... The Holy Spirit is given in his fullness to his believers. The text goes on. And you shall be witnesses to me. So the primary reason why the Holy Spirit is given to the believers in Christ is to witness. Is to witness. Now the disciples had witnessed before but never with the enabling presence of the Holy Spirit in his fullness. They were to witness, first of all, in Jerusalem, then throughout Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is the indispensable gift of the Christian witness. I say again, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is the indispensable gift of the witnessing Christian. Well, now, a person may be highly talented, educated, thoroughly trained, 
But without spiritual power, the Holy Spirit's power, their witness won't be very effective. On the other hand, a person may be uneducated, perhaps even unrefined, but endowed with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. That individual can turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Amen, indeed, indeed. We need to recapture what happened at Pentecost. We need the miracle of Pentecost in our lives. The day of Pentecost was one of the most phenomenal and most important events in all human history. And that brings us to the question, what was Pentecost? What was Pentecost? Well, it was the coming of the Holy Spirit in all his fullness upon the believers. Secondly, it was the birth of the Christian church. And it was so named because it came 50 days after Passover. 50 days after Passover arrived at Pentecost. So between the death of Christ and his resurrection and his ascension, 40 days transpired. Have you ever noticed that as you read your Bible, that during these 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension of Christ, there is nothing in Scripture that I know of that talks about Jesus performing miracles to the multitudes or teaching them heavenly truth as well. There is a silence here during those 40 days. Now the Bible does say that Jesus appeared to his disciples on many occasions during these 40 days. What happened during these 40 days? Well, I believe that Jesus wanted quality time with his believers before his ascension into heaven. And he didn't want to be interrupted or occupied by the crowds wanting teaching and healing. And so this was quality time with his disciples all by themselves. In other words, they were getting their final instructions as to their mission to the world. Now we know that between the resurrection of Christ and Pentecost were ten days. And the question is asked, well, what did they do during those ten days? Well, the Bible gives the answer. Chapter 1, verse 14, if you'll follow along. These, that is the believers, all continued in one accord with prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Isn't that interesting that Dr. Luke adds that at the end of the sentence, and his brothers. The brothers of Jesus, these half-brothers of Jesus, did not believe that he was the Messiah. They believed that he was a special person because of his teachings and his miracles. Perhaps they even thought he might be a prophet, but not the Messiah, not the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God until... Until when? 
until the resurrection. Until the resurrection. Then they believed. Matter of fact, Jesus' half-brother James becomes the leader of the movement in Jerusalem and who writes a book in the New Testament with his name, James. And another half-brother, Jude, wrote the book of Jude. And he's mentioned in the New Testament and his book is there as well. So there they were, in one accord in prayer and supplication. Luke 24, 53 says that they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. They all continued in, in one accord, oneness of mind and heart. They were focusing and concentrating their thoughts and energies upon seeking God and for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In the book Acts of the Apostles, page 36, is this statement. As the disciples waited for the fulfillment of the promise, they humbled their hearts in true repentance and confessed their unbelief. Now the disciples of Jesus realized that the times were too serious and the hour too late for divisions, for squabbles, for arguments. Who would be first in the kingdom of God? Who would sit on the right side of Jesus and who would sit on the left? The times were too serious. And I wonder out loud to us this morning, the times are too serious for us as well to allow divisions, separations, squabbles to come amongst us. Indeed, their experience with Jesus was fresh in their minds. It was no time for divisions. Their task was urgent. Christ filled their thoughts and the advancements of his kingdom was uppermost in their minds. And that brings us once again to the book Acts of the Apostles, this time page 37, if you're taking notes, page 37. The servant of the Lord writes, These days of preparation, I believe those ten, the, the, that word these is referring to those ten days. These days of preparation were days of, number one, deep heart searching. What do you think she means by that? Deep heart searching. I believe they were looking at their heart of hearts and they were asking the question, is there any sin that is unconfessed, unrepented of, Lord, in my life? Is there something in my past that maybe with the passage of time I have forgotten, but that sin remains and it's not confessed and it's not repented of, and I don't want anything to hinder your presence in my life, Lord, so please reveal that sin to me. Have you ever done that? Have you asked God to reveal to you some sin unconfessed? I have. I said, Lord, is there something there? I don't want anything to come between us, to separate me from you. I need your presence. I covet your presence in my life. Reveal that to me so that I can confess it and repent of it. I believe that's what they were doing during those ten days. Number two, the disciples felt their spiritual need. Isn't that interesting? That they had been with Jesus three and a half years. 
they had witnessed his miracles, heard his marvelous teachings. They had eaten with Jesus. They had walked with Jesus. They had slept surrounded with Jesus. And yet, she writes, they felt their spiritual need. Do you feel your spiritual need this morning? Do I feel my spiritual need? Do you hunger and thirst for the things of God? Are you satisfied with your Christian experience today? Or is there an emptiness that longs to be filled by the presence and power of Jesus Christ? I believe we should hunger and thirst as never before. The hour is too late. It's time to get right with God. To sense that hunger and thirst after Christ and his righteousness. They felt their spiritual need. Number three. They cried to the Lord for the holy unction. That is the anointing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit upon their lives. They cried to the Lord for that. Send us the Holy Spirit, Lord, in his fullness. We want what was promised by the Father that Jesus told us about. Send us the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. Why? She gives the answer. That was to fit them for the work of soul winning. There it is. To fit them for the soul winning experience. You know how many times we hear the pastor extend an invitation to go out and pass out literature. And now Abe Garcia is training his group and hopefully others in time will join that group and that instruction to begin to knock on doors and to invite people to take a survey and maybe ask if they want Bible studies. You know, there are people out there waiting, believe it or not. They're out there waiting for someone to come and extend an invitation. Did you know that? I'm in this church today because somebody came to our house when I was a little boy in Pasadena. Somebody came and knocked on our door. And you know what they said? Would you like to understand your Bible better? That was what was shared with mother. Would you like to understand your Bible better? And there began a series of Bible studies. Well, back then they had those little projectors that they projected on the wall, those color pictures. That was before television, folks. So it was a treat for a little kid to watch and to listen and to experience. But today so many people are fearful, you know. Oh, not me. Oh, oh, listen, pastor, I'll do anything. I'll vacuum, I'll dust, you know, I'll wash windows, but don't ask me to be knocking on doors or talking to people. I, 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 I'm, I'm very intimidated. I'm a very shy person. By the way, I'm a shy person. I really am. I'm a very shy person. Have you heard those comments by people? You know why they feel like that? Because they forget that there's, there is someone who wants to be in them and to give them words to speak and the spirit in which to speak them. And that is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit.
You see, when Pentecost happens again, by the way, we're standing in the middle of two great Pentecostal outpourings. One took place in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, which we call the former reign, and we are looking forward with great anticipation, asking, pleading, praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the latter reign that will unite with the loud cry and take the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world and then Jesus will come. Jesus will come. But we should be about heaven's work, heaven's business, should we not? God has been so generous to share with us. He wants us to share what he has given to us with those who don't know him. You see, God has no feet but my feet. Has no lips but my lips to tell the story of what God has done for me. That's what he wants you to do. Lastly, number four, they claimed the power that Christ had promised. They claimed the promise of the Holy Spirit in his fullness upon their lives. Are we doing the same? Do you begin your day by consecrating your life to God for that day? Do you ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit? We shouldn't let a single day go by without asking for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. He makes all the difference. He'll give you words to speak. You'll find yourself in places that you hadn't planned to be there, but the Spirit of God put you there for a reason. He'll have people cross your pathway so that you can share with them what God wants you to tell them. That happens when you're endowed with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So the disciples put away their differences. They rose to the challenge. And I ask you, will we do the same? Will we put aside differences? Will we rise to the challenge and pray for the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives? Well, what happened on the day of Pentecost? Well, we read it back there on chapter 2, I believe. Verse 1, it says they were with all one accord in one place. Verse 2, they heard the sound like a mighty wind that came from heaven. And this mighty wind filled the entire house. Verse 3. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire that rested on each one of them. Have you ever asked the question, what was signified by these tongues of fire that rested over them? Have you ever asked the question, what's all that about? Why fire? Tongues of fire. Well, she gives the answer in that same book, Acts of the Apostles, page 38-39. The appearance of fire signified the fervent zeal with which the apostles would labor and the power that would attend their work. There's the answer. So there they were in the upper room and tongues of fire appeared and rested upon them. Verse 5, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Can you imagine what a special gift was given to them? To speak in other languages for what reason? To communicate the unsearchable riches of Christ to everyone, regardless of national origin, race, and language. To witness boldly for Jesus. 
You see, up to this point in time, the followers of Jesus had confined their labors to Palestine. Now the entire world was their mission field. Language was no longer a barrier. Imagine being able by the Holy Spirit to travel to a country and to be able to communicate with the people in their local language or dialect. Imagine that. Through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, their mission was possible because of the Holy Spirit's presence and His fullness in their lives. Did you know that without the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, it was a mission impossible? It was a mission impossible. What God had asked them to do was an impossibility without the Holy Spirit. They didn't have mass transportation that we have today. They didn't have communication that we have today. They didn't have the multimedia that we have today. Oh my, we have the printing press. We have radio. Shortwave radio. Television. Satellite. Computers, email, Facebook, iPods, iPads. You name it, we have it. They didn't have it back there. But I believe they had more than we have today. In the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, they turned the world upside down for Jesus. Where they were timid before, they were bold. They were no longer afraid. Once they were endowed with the presence of the Holy Spirit, they were unshakable, unmovable, unafraid to give their lives for Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings new life to the believer. Let me share with you a couple references about the Holy Spirit. Prior to Jesus' second coming, there will be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the latter reign. And we should be praying for that, beloved. Let me share some statements. Testimonies 8, page 21, for those taking notes. The outpouring of the Spirit in the days of the apostles was the former reign, and glorious was the result. But the latter reign will be more abundant. And you say amen to that. What they had back then was marvelous but what we're going to have is even more marvelous more abundant Bible Commentary Volume 7 page 984 it is the latter rain which reviews and strengthens them to pass through the time of trouble you know it's interesting when we talk about the time of trouble I remember when I used to sit in the pew as you are today and I was younger Whenever they talked of the time of trouble, my heart seemed to pick up in intensity. You know, and I thought, ooh, I don't know. I'm not so sure about those times of trouble. Matter of fact, I've even heard some of the believers say, I hope the Lord puts me to rest before we enter into the time of trouble. And others say, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so sure if I can make it through the time of trouble. But you see, we're thinking and focusing on ourselves. The way I feel. What I think may happen. You see, notice what she says. It is the latter rain which reviews. What does he review? You know, I love to ask questions as I read. She writes, 
the latter rain which reviews. Well, what's he reviewing? Ah, I believe he's reviewing what he's done for us in the past. How he's looked after us in the past. And if he's done that for us in the past, looked after us, protected us, supplied our needs, why should we doubt him now? So he reviews in our experience. Doesn't she say we have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget how the Lord has uh, led us in the past? Yes, he reviews. Look what I've done for you. Look how I've supplied for you. You've never starved. I've taken care of you. While you slept, I still watched over you. He who watches Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Wow, when you start thinking of what's happened in the past, it revives your faith for today. So she says, it is the latter rain that reviews and strengthens so as we approach the time of trouble, the Holy Spirit empowers us. He strengthens us. He fortifies us, us, so that we face the time of trouble unafraid because we know we are filled with the presence and power of the third person of the Godhead. Testimonies 5, page 158. We should pray as earnestly for the descent of the Holy Spirit as the disciples prayed on the day of Pentecost. If they needed it at that time, she says, we need it more today. We need it more today. Selected Messages, page 1, 191. It is our work today to yield our souls to God. The question is, are we yielding? Are we committing our lives to Jesus? In our morning prayer by our bedside, are we saying, Lord, I want to consecrate my life to you today. I want you to come into my life in your fullness through your Holy Spirit. I want the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon my life. Give me words to speak to others, Lord, and the spirit in which to speak them. May I represent you in a a way that will bring honor and glory to your name. I yield my power of choice to you. I give my free will to you to use as you deem best. I lay all my plans at your feet to be carried out as you deem best today. Are we doing that, beloved? Are we doing that? That's the question. We should pray earnestly. It is our work today to yield our souls to Christ, that we may be fitted for the time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, fitted for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One final reference, and then I will close with a story. Evangelism, page 701. The descent of the Holy Spirit upon the church. And who's the church, beloved? It's us, you and me. The descent of the Holy Spirit upon the church, on you and I, is looked forward to as in the future. But it is the privilege of the church to have it now. Not tomorrow, not next week. We can have it now, today. Seek it, she says. Pray for it. Believe it. We must have it. And heaven is waiting To bestow it. We should seek it. Pray for it. Believe it. We must have it. And heaven is waiting to bestow it upon us. Amazing. Amazing. 
Christian pastor and author Leighton Moore, Ford, that is, Leighton Ford, in his book, The Christian Persuader, tells about the time that his little daughter, Debbie Jean, was lost. His wife wanted to run an errand to the store nearby, and so she left Debbie Jean with Leighton, as well as her younger brother. Well, you know how children are. In one instant, she was gone. She uh, disappeared. A neighbor child remembered seeing her going toward the school. So Leighton went to the school and uh, did not find Debbie Jean. By that time, his wife had returned from her errand to the store. And then she went to a shopping center not too far away from their home to see if perhaps Debbie Jean had wandered in that direction. But no luck there either. Well, Leighton went back to the school, met with the principal. They checked every classroom to no avail. No Debbie Jean. No sign of her. Panic gripped his heart. He remembered hearing of stories of, of men who, who picked up little girls. He wondered if he should call the police. And then he walked up and down the road calling her name to see if she would respond. A little time later, when he had about reached the end of his rope, there little Debbie Jean came around the corner of the school building smiling, no less, smiling. The explanation was simple but very hard to take. She had uh, gone to the candy store just beyond the school building, met a school friend, and had gone to her house a half hour away. Later that day, after the thunder and lightning and tears had passed, Leighton reflected on the incident during Nearly the two hours that little Debbie Jean was missing, nothing else mattered to Leighton Ford and his wife. In his study were books to be read, letters to be answered, articles to be written, plans to be made. But all that was forgotten. He could only think of one thing and one thing alone his lost little girl. He had only one prayer. He had only one prayer and he prayed it a thousand times. And his prayer was, Oh God, help me find her. Help me find her. May I say to you, This morning, we will never be what God intended us to be until we have that kind of passion on finding the lost souls for Jesus Christ. Oh God, help me find them. Help me find them, Lord, that through your enabling presence and power, I can bring them to you. May we have that kind of passion 
in our hearts and in our souls. And when we do have that passion that the early church had in introducing men and women and boys and girls to Jesus, we will experience the miracle of Pentecost and the indispensable gift of the Holy Spirit. If you'll take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 375 for our closing song of worship. 375. Shall we stand as we sing? Work for the night is coming. Work through the morning hours. Work while the dew is falling. Work while the day grows Father in heaven, we plead for the indispensable gift of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. May we not be satisfied, Lord, with our experience as it is today. May we long for a closer walk with you, filled with your Holy Spirit, to do the work you have entrusted to us. Bless us, Lord, to this end we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.